Uh, I, I want to talk about waste today, all right? About not wasting your life, not wasting what we have. I want to talk to you about waste. I was in the car with my eldest son, Judah, a little while ago, and he goes, Dad, some people just have too much waste or something like that. He, he was talking about, he goes, there's like some people have like a Lamborghini, and then he preaches at me, right? There's nothing wrong with having a Lamborghini. I'm like, yep, I agree. Um, in fact, the Word of God says, um, if thou hath possess a Lamborghini, thou shalt drive the minister in it. And, um, and so it's all good, right? But um, that's not in the Bible. I'm kidding. Relax. Um, and so I, I, uh, anyway, I'm chatting with him. He goes, but the pro, he goes, some people have like they've got a Lamborghini, but then they've got the same one in yellow and, and then in red and then, and then in white. And they have the same car in different colors. It seems a bit of a waste, you know? And he goes, and some people, they've got like their lifted truck, their lowered truck, their ordinary truck, their standard truck. They've got their red truck, their black truck, their white truck. And it's not because they have a business. He's making sure I know this. He goes, not because they have a business. They understand this, that you might need that. He goes, but it seems like a bit of a waste. And, and I started thinking about it, and I was like, man, he's right, right? It's, it, might, it can be wasteful, right? Now, again, I, I'm not the pastor that picks on rich people. I'm not the pastor that picks on poor people. We're all on a journey. We've all got a different life to live, right? Um, and, and we want to help each other, right? There's nothing wrong with having a Lamborghini. But listen, if that Lamborghini means you can't buy groceries for one of the families that was on stage today, your Lamborghini is sin. Right? Yeah, Lamborghini. Okay, let's go down a level. If your brand new car, whatever it is, if your brand new car, your Lexus, your BMW, your, 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 your Honda Civic, whatever it is, right? If your car, if that payment now causes you to not be able to be generous to people, not be able to love on people when they're in need, your car just got in the way of the call of God on your life. If your car means, if that Lamborghini or that 100,000 square foot home, nothing wrong with either of them, but if those things mean that you can't tithe, now that car became sin. Come on. But if you honor God with your finances and you honor and love people with them too, then whatever's left, God bless you. Enjoy your big home and your fancy car, right? But we don't want those things to get in the way of the mandate on our lives. So after that conversation with Judah, I... I started thinking about waste, you know, and there's so much of our lives is training us to waste, right? We have single-use everything, throw everything away, toothbrushes that we unwrap with toothpaste already on them, right? And then you throw it in the garbage bin at the end of it, right? The rubbish bin at the end of it. And it's like there's so much waste. And, and you know, it says on the packet that these are reusable. And I'm like, who's going to repaste the pre-pasted toothbrush? <laughs> Nobody, Right? Like, and, and, and I'm not judging you because I have some. When I travel, that's what I take because I always leave my toothbrush behind. So I take one of those with me, right? But, but don't worry. Some of y'all are like, wait, is this going to be a message on climate change? No, no, don't worry. I'm not really a big believer in climate change, you know. Um, I, I, I'm just not, right? I'm like, yeah, y'all, that sounds like garbage to me. That sounds like, you know, like cult science to me. Um, but if it was real, oh, man, I'd be all about it. I wish climate change was real. Like, I'm like, can we heat Iowa up, please? Right? Like, if climate change is real, y'all should be driving a truck. And if you're not driving a truck, I don't even want to be around you. Right? Heat this place up in the name of Jesus. Someone say amen. Preach. Right? Climate change, if, if that's a real thing, it is God's gift to Iowa in December. Praise God. No, no, this isn't a message on climate or environment. By the way, scriptures do tell us to be a steward of our environment, by the way. 
You're throwing trash into the rivers. You're throwing trash into the ocean. You're throwing trash and random chemicals everywhere into the rivers. Come on, you're not being a steward of what God gave us. Amen. We got, we got to do better than that. But I feel like too much convenience, all this get it right now, single use everything has made too many of us more unhappy than we've ever been before. Less satisfied, more spiritually hungry. And I don't mean spiritually hungry like, you know, I'm hungry after the Lord. No, I mean like starving for spiritual things. Starving, unfed, not being satisfied at all, right? And it's not all oh, the pandemic. No, this is 2019 even said that we were the most unhappy we've ever been before, right? We've got like $1,600, $1,700 phones in our pockets that we replace every year or two. Myself included, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but there is some, it's a special sort of conditioning to get people willing to spend sixteen dollars to $1,700 on one object and then switch it out two years later, right? I, I, I don't think there was anything in my house growing up that cost $2,000, like not a single thing, let alone something that expensive that we upgraded every year. Right? If we raised my grandpa from the dead and you told him that you bought a $1,600 phone after buying a $1,600 phone last year, he would slap you in your face. <laughs> Anyone else's grandpa, if we raised him from the dead, would slap you in the face for that? Right? right? And then he would pray for you to heal you so he could slap you again. Right? <laughs> right? He'd be like, that thing better be made of gold. Right? He'd be like, well, what did you do with the last one? And you'd be like, well, I was going to sell it, but I forgot now it sits in a drawer with seven other $1,000 phones. <laughs> Getting real, hey? I remember when we finally got a flipping microwave. It was the most expensive thing in our house. Most amazing thing. Kids, did you know there was a time where there were not microwaves in the home? Y'all grow up and you're like, I want a pie. Bing! You know, like, it wasn't like that. We had to make food back in my day. I'm only 39. It's changed so much. I remember when we got that first microwave, we were so excited that we could reheat food and not have to eat cold stuff the next day. And that microwave was the most expensive thing in our house. The next most expensive thing was probably our TV. Our TV was massive. Our TV was heavier than your mama. You're allowed to make your mama jokes in church, right? Well, we did. And then after that, probably the next, we didn't even have a couch worth more than a couple of hundred dollars, right? The next most expensive thing after that was, was probably our video player. And that thing lasted 15 years, right? A VCR player, y'all might call it. VCR player, you know, the video player, you know. And, and, and we couldn't convince dad to spend $300 on a new one until they finally came up with auto rewind and that changed our lives. Right, auto rewind, y'all don't know these kids, but back in our day, and I'm not even that old, right? Well, I don't think I am. But when I was a kid, we had to rewind our movies. You'd watch a movie, you have to, re you have to watch the whole thing again backwards. <laughs> Every movie that you ever watch, you had to watch it forwards and backwards. And if you didn't, you took it to the video shop and then they charged you $3 for them to go click and rewind your video. At that point, Dad's like, you know, we're probably going to save money on all these rewind fees. So we went and got one, right? And during that whole time, though, that whole 15 to 18, maybe 20 years, the phone didn't change once. Not once, right? 
you had that solid plastic telephone, and I mean solid plastic, like just one side of that thing was as thick as your iPhone, right? It was rock solid, right? It was heavy as lead, probably the best home defense weapon of the 20th century. Just ask Mel Gibson. <laughs> that was a low blow, wasn't it? Poor old Mel. And it had that dial on it. You ever wondered why you dial your friends when there's no dial on your phone? It's because there used to be a dial on your phone. And so you would dial your friends, right? It, 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 you seen one of those, right? Hands up, kids, if you've never actually touched one of those. Give me a wave, right? Like a dial phone, right? Come on, be honest with us. There's no way. Yeah, there we go. Come on. They're like, okay, I admit it, you know. Like it, ha- it, ha- it had this circle on it with all these holes in it. And you want to ring your grandma. You want to ring your, your grandma. You got to stick your finger in it and turn it, right? Five. Six. Oops, mistake. Hang up. Ding. Start again. Five. Right? Got to channel your Chris Rock and get that phone call done, right? And then you, you started hearing about all these people that had those fancy touchtone phones. You know, you walk up and they're like, you know? And you're like, man, that is some space age garbage right there, you know? It's got buttons, not a dial, so you can't dial anyone, but you still call it dialing people. But you didn't get one because your dad was too cheap to pay $35. For a new phone, because we already got one. How are you going to protect the family with that one? You know, so you don't get a new phone until you move into a new house that came with a new phone. That's when we got a new phone. I think I was like 38 before I got rid of our dial phone. My dad's probably still got it, right? Somehow we all got cool with a massive amount of waste, though. All right, like we say things like, "I can't afford to tithe." but I've got a $1,500 disposable phone in my pocket. We've been conditioned to waste. But we don't just waste money. Sorry, we don't just waste money though, right? We waste time too now. This might be the most sedentary generation that's ever existed. We waste time on Netflix. Instead of hanging out with actual friends, we watch a TV show called Friends (laughs) on TV. Right? But now, now, that came out when I was young, but we had to wait a whole week to see another one. You know? There's no such thing as binge watching because ain't nobody can afford to buy all those videos. There's just watch it on Thursday at 7, right? Instead of working on our families and our relationships within our families, we just watch a TV show called Modern Family and use that garbage family as an excuse for our family to suck. Right? Instead of sharpening our skills, taking risks and advancing our own lives, we watch people do that on the telly. We have nothing, we want to become something, so we watch people start from nothing and build something on the telly. It's a made-up story. right? And it takes no effort, no effort whatsoever. All we got to do is know where the popcorn is and how to press play. We get that inspirational feeling without actually having done anything with our lives. If we want sexual gratification, we can log into a website and get some. Without ever having to be kind to our wives. Without ever, you know, without ever having to put some effort in. If we want, you know, we can get that counterfeit sexual gratification without ever having to, to deal with the tension in the relationship. Without ever having to, to, to have an argument or without ever having to honor our wives enough to make them actually want us. 
We can watch other people's love lives. We can watch other people become successful. We can watch other people fake make love on a sin site. And we can get things so quickly and so easily with minimal effort required from us at all. We don't need to care for anything in our lives because we're just going to get a new one in 12 to 18 months. We don't need to look after the things we've got because they're disposable, so it doesn't matter anymore. And that same stupid attitude gets into our marriages as well. We don't need to care for her. We don't need to care for him because it doesn't work out. I'll just get remarried. Now, I'm not picking on you if you've been divorced. If you've been divorced, hey, hey, God's grace covers you, but let's not do that again. Right? God's grace covers you, and I pray that his favor and his power would land on your marriage right now. But, but let's, not, let's not recycle again. Let's continue to improve this time. Amen. Let's do better this time. See, that's, grace isn't, you idiot, you, you screwed up, get out of church. Grace is, hey, you screwed up. God's grace sustains your salvation. Let's not do that again. Amen. No need to love our spouses because we can get love online. No need to work on our family situation because we can watch a family that's worse than us online or more inspiring than ours online. And far too many of us take that same consumer culture and we apply it to the church as well. Cheap stuff's nearly almost always counterfeit. That family online, it ain't real. That woman on your screen, she's not really like that. That throwaway culture that you don't have to care for doesn't really produce any fulfillment or joy. That social media account that you follow, it's not real life. It's not. I know people go, no, it is real life. Shut up. I'm not going to say that. I committed to not saying that word from stage anymore. <laughs> for the children. It's not real life. It's not. Real fulfillment, real satisfaction comes from real work putting some effort in it doesn't come from some consumeristic lifestyle there's nothing wrong with consuming but you need to contribute as well the best sex you'll ever have will be in the confines of marriage between a man and a woman but a marriage you work on the best family you'll ever have is the family you contribute to the best life you can live is the life that's not all about you that that's not all about you and your immediate needs being immediately met when it comes to church we don't want church to be like tv for some people, church is literally on TV. And it's garbage. Look, sometimes you're sick. Sometimes your car broke down. Sometimes you couldn't get there. Maybe you live far away. But outside of a few other examples, church on your TV is fake church. It's just watching something. It's like watching We Were Soldiers walking away and being like, I'm a hero. No, you just watched it. No, nothing happened. You got some great one-liners to throw up on your Instagram, but you weren't there. We, we, we don't want to be consumers in church. Too many Christians want church to be like the TV family. We want to come and feel the feels, <clears throat> drink the drinks, watch it all happen. Maybe, and, and I mean maybe, leave a tip when they leave. And if they do, it's prob- if, if they're a consumer, per- it's probably a tip like, I, I got a tip for you. The music was, I prefer the preacher not say things that make me uncomfortable, you know. I don't want to be challenged in my faith, you know. Can I tell you that being in a healthy church is a blessing from God. Don't waste it. 
Don't waste it. There's a thing, the thing is, and, and again, I'm not gloating, it just is what it is, but most churches now are only 40-ish percent, 40 to 45, even in our city of what they were before coronavirus, right? And it's not the virus's fault. No, it's the reaction to it. It's the fear, and then it's that leaning into the human nature to just do the lazy, easy thing, to consume instead of contribute. And it's not good enough. And so it is a miracle that you're in a church. Listen to me. It is a miracle that you're in a church that is growing. That, like I said, November, our November numbers are bigger than our pre-corona November numbers. Right? We've had more baptisms this month than any month before. We've had more salvations this month probably than any month before. And it's going and it's going and it's going. And, God is, and we've just dedicated a billion children. It's unreal, right? It's cool. God's doing great things. This is a church where the truth is preached boldly. We don't shy away from difficult subjects, whether it's on marriage, gender, anything, right? We, we, we're going to talk about it with grace, truth and grace and love. Amen. But this is not normal right now. A healthy church is not easy to find at the moment. This is a blessing from God. Don't waste this. Don't waste this. Don't treat church like a snack, like a throwaway toothbrush. Or a TV show that you watch but aren't engaged in, not contributing to. So today I want to talk to you about how you can go from being a consumer to a contributor. Now a lot of you are contributing and that's okay and that's good. And, and, but the statistics are that there's about like probably, what is it, 30-40% contributors and the rest only consume. And that's a great way to take a healthy church and turn it into an unhealthy church. Some people contribute in some ways and not in other ways. Well, I want to give you five ways that you need to contribute, not just consume. See, people who only consume, they end up empty. They've got a full belly, but they're not satisfied. They're empty, unfulfilled with a massive sense of regret at the end of their lives. I like to eat out. Does anyone else like to eat out? Yeah, come on, be honest with me right now. Who likes to eat out, right? Okay, let's get real honest. Who else did Uber Eats ruin your life? <clears throat> give me a wave, yeah? Come on, right? So I like to eat out, and I also like it when the eat out comes to my house, right? I like Uber Eats, you know. I blame Biden for the, like, you know, 15% inflation in my budget, but, you know, he's probably, I can probably only realistically blame them for, like, 14.99% because Uber Eats is the other bit in my life, right? And I'm just kidding. Relax, people, all right? I'm just making a joke, all right? Democrats are like, I'm never coming back. Consumer. No. <laughs> and so... I'm just kidding. Relax, all right? And so, so <laughs> one of my own friends is shaking his head at me right now. But here's the thing, though. Like, like Uber Eats, all that gear, I love it. But I, even more than that, I like to go out and eat. I like, one of my favorite places is St. Kilda, right? The two best places in the world to get coffee are St. Kilda and Friedrichs, right? Friedrichs and that Papua New Guinea blend, ooh, that'll change your life, right? Like, we've got that stuff in our house. Best coffee on the planet, Friedrichs Papua New Guinea blend. Go get some. Why? I get a commission on every single piece of that that's sold. <laughs> I don't really. I'm just messing with you. But that's a great idea, right? So you should do that. Gary, where you at? So... But I do love it. I love to eat out. I go to St. Kilda. And, and uh, when I get there, someone says, Jesse, what do you want to eat? And I get to choose from a list of things what I want to eat. Like anything I want, I, I get to choose. I've never gone to my house and had my wife give me a menu. <laughs> Ever. Baby, what you want? 
You're so sexy, you've been working so hard. Oh, look at those muscles, you're so fine. You can have anything you want. That's not happened once in my house ever. Not once, ever. Ever in my life, right? It's never been a menu at dinner time, right? But when I go to St. Kilda, they give me a menu. I can have whatever I want. It's not about what's good for me. I can have whatever I want, right? It's awesome. They pour me a drink. Here's some water. You want anything else? I'm like, yeah, have a latte. Come on. Get with the program. I'm a Christian. Of course I'll have a coffee, right? (laughs) They give me a coffee. They pour me some water. I never, ever have to pour anyone else some water. They bring me food that I got to choose. I never have to feed anyone else. You want a refill, Jesse? Yes, I always want a refill. I drink like a fish, right? I drink water like it's going out of fashion. Give me a refill. Then after all that, they clean it up. I just walk away and they clean it up right after me. I love going to eat at St. Kilda. And then when I walk out, I leave them a tip. You know, be good to your mother. And then I get on with my day, right? It's awesome. I love to eat out. But you know what, church? Church is not dinner out. Church is dinner at home. This ain't dinner out. This is dinner at home. This is we serve each other like dinner at home. Love each other. Honor each other. Gotta honor the cook. And the cook decided what you're gonna eat. Hello. I wish you would preach a different sermon. Not at church. That's online. Come on. You gotta honor the, you gotta you gotta help clean up the mess when you're at home. You gotta have conversations. You gotta you gotta you're gonna go get a drink, you gotta ask everybody else, hey, do, do, do you want me to get you a glass of water as well? You gotta serve each other, you gotta honor each other, amen. You gotta fill someone else's glass. Somebody's gotta cook, somebody's setting the table. You might be like, not at my house. We eat wherever. <clears throat> Can I tell you that just as a little pause segue for a moment? You need to have dinner as a family. That needs to happen. You have to do it. And when I'm about to tell you why, and then when you know why, you need to do it, all right? Not because I said so, but if you love your children, you need to do this, all right? Now, maybe you work shift work. If one of you's home, somebody somehow needs to try and make this happen. But did you know that they found in secular studies that kids who eat as a family at least three times, at least three times a week, were less violent in adulthood, less violent in school, and something like 50% less likely to end up in prison from eating dinner as a family. What? Did you know those same kids were more resilient in hard times, handled bullying better, and got over it quicker? Did you know that? Did you know they were far less likely to commit suicide? Suicide is an epidemic in, 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 in in our country and in this city among young people. In this city too. And you know, did you know, parents, there's something you can do about it. You're not powerless. You're not helpless. There is something that we can do about it. We, can, we can't guarantee that nothing bad will happen, but we can guarantee that the, that the, that the likelihood is, is dropped significantly if you have dinner as a family. Did you know those same kids had better communication skills, better jobs, and, oh, sorry, more fulfillment in their jobs? When that moving forward, they had less weight-related problems, less health-related issues in adulthood. They had fonder relationships with their parents. And now for Christians outside of the secular, for Christians, they were far less likely to leave the faith in adulthood. Because you're eight together. Three times a week. You need to do that. You need to do that for your kids at the table. Together. 
start doing it this week. You can say, oh, maybe I'll start next week. Nope, that means you're not going to do it. Start this week. New Year's resolution, that's garbage. Start this week. Amen. Why wait to New Year to, to do something that good for your kids? Amen. For all that to happen, somebody cleaned the room earlier in the week. Somebody's been saying prayers. Someone prayed over the meal, right? In a healthy family, everyone contributes. And our church is dinner at home. Our church is not dinner out. We all contribute. We all consume, but we all contribute too. In the same way that dinner as a family blesses your children, church where we're contributors, not just consumers, will bless your life more than a consumer-cultured church ever, ever could. You may feel good because you watched it, but your life will change when you're in it. Amen. Now, I know there are for sure seasons in your life where you consume a lot more than you contribute, and that's okay. So I'm not picking on you for that. There might be seasons where you only consume. Hey, we're here for you, right? right? That's what happens in a healthy family. Someone gets hurt, someone's sick, someone's injured, someone's wounded, and the family all contribute more so that person can consume what they need, right? That's normal. That's healthy. <clears throat> but the goal of Christian discipleship, especially in regards to their church, should be to move our lives away from consumer culture and into contribution culture. Amen. And if you don't do that, you'll end up full but hungry, having seen it all but seen nothing change in your life, having seen life change but never seen it in your life. Whereas Scripture says, having sight but not vision. And in the end, if too many people come and just consume... This will end. This great thing that God is doing will stop and it will die. Let's not waste this. Amen. Amen. And so now after the longest introduction you've ever heard in your life, I've got five points for you today. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? Watch this. I got 13 minutes and 40, 39, 38, 37 seconds according to that thing on the back wall right there. So we're going to do this, all right? Y'all ready for it? Yeah. Five things that we came for, but five things contributors now come and do, all right? Verse 16 said that I read at the start, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Hey, by the way, if your church attendance has never ever involved any version of sacrifice, you're not doing it right. All right, you're not doing it right. No sacrifice, didn't have to wake up early ever to get, no sacrifice, didn't have to give it, no sacrifice, you're not doing it right, okay? For it is good that we need to do good. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for those sacrifices. Someone say sacrifices are pleasing to God. The things in your life are not just for you. We need to share the good that God has done in our lives. Use our gifts and our passions and our talents to bless the church and further the mission. Amen? So I came to get prayer. Now I come praying. Point one. I came to get prayer. Now I come praying. Is it okay to still get prayer? Absolutely. Right? Come to church. Get prayer. At the end of this service, Pastor Sean's going to invite you all down. If you need prayer for you, your family, your finances, your friends, your health, come down. We're going to pray for you and believe in the name of Jesus. If you lay hands on you, you're going to see a miracle. Amen? Amen. But, but like, and don't leave. Don't leave. And don't leave without getting prayer for, for a need in your life. But we don't want to just come to get prayer. We don't just want full altars. What we want is a church full of people that pray. Yeah, amen. amen? 
Stop praying for your church. Stop praying for your leaders. Stop praying for your pastors, for your family, for your friends, for the sick, for souls to be saved in every service. Hey, souls have been saved in every service since we started Eternity Church. I don't want that to end, so you need to pray. Amen. We have a saying at Eternity Church. I preached on it, um, I think, mid to late last year, late last year maybe. Um, uh, we don't say at Eternity Church, I'll pray for you. We ban the term, I'll pray for you. You're not allowed to say, I'll pray for you. What do we say instead, Pastor Sean? Let's pray. Let's pray. What happens when, when somebody's telling you a story and the story's just like, oh man, he's getting heavy and I've got Chick-fil-A to get. Nope. They're not open on Sundays. i got McDonald's to get to after church. And this person won't stop. So what, what is the most convenient and super Christian way to end an annoying conversation? You know what? I'm going to pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you. Got you. And we leave, right? I find so often, like, and, and, and I mean so often, when people say, I'll pray for you, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. They do the little hands emojis. Oh, my gosh. You know, you got a need online. They're like, that's not praying. That's just a picture. All right? We don't want to say, I'll pray for you, and then forget. Little nice little bow on a conversation that's uncomfortable. We want to actually pray for people. So we don't say, I'll pray for you. We say, let's pray. When? Now. Now. You, you sick? Let's pray. You're in the lobby? You're talking to people at church? You're scared to pray in the lobby? You ain't ever going to be able to pray at St. Kilda. Come on. Like, like, we got to pray right now so we don't forget. Come on. Because life, I mean, you, you may even be, intend to pray, but then when you get in the car, one of your kids punches your other kid in the face. Now you forgot. Because that just happened in my family. <laughs> See, when you eat as a family, they punch each other as a family. And so, right? So we banned that. Actually, um, last year I preached at a friend of mine who's a pastor in another church, and he was on break, and while he was on a vacation, they came to the greatest church in the universe, which is right here in Des Moines. <laughs> and so they were in the crowd, and I was preaching on prayer that week, and I talked about this, how we don't say, I'll pray for you, we say, let's pray. And uh, that was the whole thing of the sermon. We spent a whole 45, 50 minutes talking about that. And then, and then, and then this, uh, sorry, this was the start of the month. Yeah, start of November, I was traveling. I was in Phoenix with that guy. We both went to the same church to see some things down there. And, um, and, then, and then we went to the gym together, and, and at the gym, the, one, of the, one of the trainers actually follows us on Instagram and loves what's happening in our church and yada, yada, yada. And so he was like, oh, yeah, you're Jesse, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, cool. And then he goes, hey, uh, you know, I've got this thing going on in my life. You know, I got this opportunity, but I'm not sure about that, and I'm really worried about this. And, and he goes, and just, you know, can you pray for me? And I was like, you, you know, actually, he said, you know, could, could, when you go, could you pray? And I was like, yeah, no, cool. Yeah, man, for sure we'll pray. Let's pray now, right? So we lay hands on him in front of the gym. He's a trainer in front of everybody. We're like, yo, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And then, and then my pastor friend goes to me. He goes, hey, um, I was wondering what you were going to do. I go, why? He goes, well, I was in that service last year when you told the church and you, you said that thing about we don't say, we'll pray for you. We say, let's pray. He goes, so I was wondering, is he going to do it at the gym? And you did it. And I was like, I did not know people expect me to practice what I preach. <laughs> Lucky I did that day. I came to get prayer. Now I come praying. Amen. The second one is I came to, I came to be served. Now I come to serve. 1 Corinthians 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
Each and every one of us has been gifted not only for your good, but for the good of others. You were gifted for the good of the church and for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Your gifts, your talents, your spiritual giftings, they will bless the church. But listen to me, they will bless you more as you use them to bless God's house. I promise you, as you use the gifts and the talents that God gave you in your life, you're a singer, you're a musician, you got great strong hands that can open a door on a windy day. Come on, you're able to clean better than anybody else. You're able to make phone calls and you're, you're, you're lovely over the phone. You know, maybe like me, you've got a great face for the phone, you know. Uh, whatever your gift is, it's going to bless you more when you use it for the kingdom of God. I promise you, it's going to bless you more when you use it for the kingdom of God. Use your gifts. Everybody needs to serve. Whether it's by leading, teaching, being on the worship team, serving at food bank, giving out food. We serve a couple of hundred families a week at Eternity Church. Whether it's that or maybe it's uh, packing the food boxes on Monday afternoons, cooking at events. Maybe you can't do it all the time. Maybe you can just, at special events, every couple of months or so, you can cook all the food. Maybe you mow the lawns. I don't know, but we're all called to serve somehow. Go to myeternity.com forward slash cruise. You might need to get on the gotcha crew, on the kids crew, the youth crew, the men's crew, but there's a spot for you. Amen? As you look after God's house, he'll look after your house. Promise you that. Oh, I ain't got time. We got time to go to 37 uh, soccer games. Can I tell you, your kids seeing you serve is going to bless them more than you driving them to 37 soccer games. Put it to you, you can probably do both, but but one of them is going to leave a lasting impact in your kid's life. Man, I'm still spicy. It's taking a while to come down from hot topics. <clears throat> Go to the website. You'll see what the hot topics were. They were fun. Three, I came to get, now I come to give. And yes, church, I am talking about your coin, your cash, your moolah, your money. That's what we're talking about today. I came to get, now I come to give. When we first come to a new church, we want to receive. We want to receive the word. We want to receive the blessing. We want to enjoy the clean restrooms and nice facilities. Enjoy the great heating in the winter. Thank the Lord. But if climate change would hurry up, we wouldn't need that as much. We come to get a good experience. Amen. But every believer is called to not just come and consume what other people's contribution paid for, but to contribute to what God's doing in other people's lives as well. Mature Christians don't just come and consume what other people's tithes paid for. They start tithing themselves. They start giving as well. I think church might be the only thing on the planet where people are like, you know what, I'm going to go there, enjoy a good meal, have a good time, have a great experience, consume all the goodness but not give a cent toward it. It's one of the only things on the planet that people are willing to come and consume, 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 and contribute nothing. You get banned from restaurants for that. They put your photo up on the wall, be like, don't let that dude in again. He ain't ever going to pay, you know? Now, look, I understand there's seasons. But there's not many other. You might be like, well, I go to the park. Well, you, you paid for that with your tax dollars. Don't let them trick you into thinking you didn't, right? Church is one of the few things that people come to. Consume, 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 contribute nothing. Not everybody, but a large majority of people in churches. A large amount of people. Of course, the church will never ban you, will never kick you out. I'm, I'm not going to look at you and be like, know what you give. But part of Christian discipleship is to become a giver, a tither, who although they came to get, they now come to give. Some people will be like, well, Jesus didn't say anything about tithing. I'm like, 
why do people say that? It's such a load of garbage. Yes, he did. Actually, people come up to him and they're like, yo, Jesus, should we tithe or look after widows and orphans? And he's like, both. And people are like, I'm like, no, like, read your Bible. Stop telling the pastor what's not in it when you haven't even read it. You know what I mean? Well, my friend on Instagram said that her friend on Twitter said that her friend on Facebook said that Jesus didn't mention tithing. Read your Bible. Hello. Man, I've got to come down from that hot topics mountain. A good example of that is, you know, when you give, it's going to bless you as well. When you give, it's going to bless you as well. It's like in the stock market, right? When I, before I owned Amazon stock, I didn't even care about it. As soon as I bought it, now I care about it, right? Held it for a long time, then sold it. Wish I didn't. <laughs> Did pretty good. Could have done better. Here's the thing, though. Scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't say where your treasure is, there your heart is. It says it will be. Indicating that where we're willing to sow our treasure, our heart will often follow. And so if you want to love your church more, you want to be invested in your church more, you want to enjoy your church more, Put your treasure in it. Your heart will follow it. Amen. Another one. I came because I was brought, and I come and now I bring. The fruit of lips that acknowledge him. I love that line at the start. We need to open our mouths and bring other people to church. This thing dies if you stop bringing people to church. There's only so much Lauren and I can do with having a billion kids. We've had five, right? We've done our bit. You need to do something, all right? Like, we need to bring people to church. This is the one area where people often, they, they flip the script on that. The, the people who bring the most people to church are the new people. And then they stop. It's like they start off contributing there, and then they become a consumer instead in that area. We need to flip that script, and you need to start bringing people to church again. It needs to be all over your Facebook. It needs to be all over your Instagram. It needs to be all over your, all over your whatever the other ones are called. Um, and it needs to be on your lips at work and everywhere you go. We, we, if we believe Jesus Christ is the hope of the world we need to t- and, and, that we, and we love what he's doing here in people's lives, then we need to tell people, amen? We need to bring people, amen? And last one, this is my favorite. You can stand up for this. I didn't say stand up and run away from church, though. Stay in here, right? Although this last one's pretty spicy, too. <laughs> I'm not preaching next week. You'll get a break. <laughs> this last one's pretty spicy. I came needing friends... Now I come to be a friend. Here's what consumers do when they come to church. They need a friend. But so often you find them sulking in the corner, complaining, nobody's noticing me. You know what I'm talking about? You've met people like that, you know? They talk about how my last 27 churches, nobody ever talked to me. I'm like, sweetness, you are the common denominator. Y'all know what I'm saying? You're the common denominator right there. Ironically, they're noticing everybody not notice them, but they're not engaging anybody. That's the epitome of consumer culture right there. Watching, but not engaging anyone. Watching, complaining, not engaging with anybody. You need to do something different. If that's your story, you need to do something different. In the last 27 churches you went to, look, the, the, the odds of all of them being a bunch of heathens is just not very high. All right? You, you need to do something different. And I'm, I, I, don't, I, I don't mean to sound mean or inconsiderate. I'm not trying to make an excuse for us not noticing people. But hey, at some point, 
you're going to have to open your mouth and talk to somebody. Again, I'm not making excuses for us ignoring someone, not noticing someone in church. But if you stopped waiting to get noticed and you stopped waiting for a trophy without doing anything and decided to start doing the work, you might end up with some pretty life-changing relationships in church. And I hope and pray that as you snap out of that self-defeating consumer culture that you will notice someone else who maybe hasn't heard this message yet and engage with them and pray with them. Invite them to lunch, invite them to coffee, invite them to dinner. Who knows what God might do when you take the first step and step into somebody's life choosing to contribute rather than consume only. Amen. God will bless you. Every relationship you've ever had, one of you talk to the other one first. Why has it always got to be everyone else? Can it be you this time? Amen. God will probably use your contribution to bless you as he blesses them. Okay? So pray, serve, give, bring people and be a friend. As you do these things, the church will be stronger. Your life will be better. And I promise you that, that it will bless you as it blesses the church. We don't want this incredible gift to end because we just wanted to consume and not contribute. Amen? So don't waste this. Don't waste what God's put in front of you. Amen? Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.